that's how you wake up Pentecostal people. But, you know, this group here, I don't know. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, while you're seated, I know you've been standing through the praise and so forth. So just sit down for the prayer. Um, you can raise your hands. Just love on the Lord a little bit. Hallelujah. And he loves that. Just wave your hands to him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, Lord, we love you this morning. And we give you the praise. And give you the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name. We know that the entrance of your word brings light. And it gives understanding to the simple. I pray for revelation, knowledge, and understanding. And I'm uplifting here this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let my doctrine drop this morning as a dew from heaven. Amen. Amen. Let my speech distill this morning and let it bring a lifting up. Hallelujah. It's going to be a lifting up here this morning and I'm going to be praying after this. You know, every so often the Lord put in my heart, you know, pray for the people, he'll say. You know, I'm like, well, you know, pray for the people and so forth, you know, so, you know, and uh, for the sake of the people, well, got to sanctify myself, get myself ready to pray. So I'll be praying for folks in here this morning. And uh, today, this is not a message you've not already heard or nothing in here that's new, but the Lord wants me to pray for you. So I'm bringing this this way. And we're going to be speaking on prophetic birth pains. That's right. From the cocoon to the butterfly. I have touched on that subject before, but I want to really bring something from the Lord here today. You know, from the book of Revelation, we see in Revelation chapter 12, there was a great wonder that appeared in heaven from the beginning of the chapter. You know, we see that there was a woman that was clothed with a sun. There was the moon under her feet and upon her head was a crown of 12 stars. And then something else happened in verse 2. She being with child, she cried. <laughs> now, this woman, she traveling in birth, pained to be delivered. So even God recognizes that, you know, women, they go through this thing. It's really hard sometimes. And even the depiction I mean, this thing, the struggle of the church, churches and the church age and Israel and everything, all of that struggle, huh, pain to be delivered, you know. So it's not an easy thing. And it's birth pains, you know. So when something good is coming, then there are birth pains. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the book of John chapter 16, and verse 21, Jesus said, look, a woman, when she is in trouble, has sorrow. So even Jesus recognized that. Because her hour is gone. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembered no more the anguish. Now many women here, you know, the uh, mothers giving birth. Truly, the women are like that. They go through stuff. <laughs> they say, can't do this. Next time they want another child. <laughs> right after that one is gone, soon as they finish nursing, they want another child. They've forgotten the pain. But I tell you what, during the time of the pain, it's not the easiest thing. Hallelujah. They go through it. It's a lot. You know, I have witnessed it. You know, sometimes not just, you know, my wife. One time I witnessed, you know, I had the opportunity to deliver a sister in a camp meeting. You know, it was, uh, was something else. <laughs> Praise God. So a woman has sorrow. You know, even the whole earth right now is in pain, traveling to deliver. According to the book of Romans, let's take a look at Romans chapter 8. And we'll pick it up at verse uh, 19. You know, and see what the Lord is telling us here. You know, the earnest 
expectation of the creatures waiting for the manifestation of the Son of God. Something is fixing to happen. You know. But I want to tell you, you know, some of the process, this process in uh, childbirth, which many of you know, and travail, and so forth. But the angle I want to bring out today is this. You know, it is when something good is about to happen, that's when this pain happens. You know, this woman was about to bring forth a man-child that was going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And she was in pain. And the devil was standing right in front of her, ready to devour that child. You're not going to give up. And if you manage to give birth to that child, I'm going to devour it as soon as it's born. Well, he couldn't do it. Amen. Amen. The devil could not do it. And he can't do it. You know, so, but let's talk about the things, you know. When God promises something, like the beginning of this year, the world was emerged. <laughs> but, you know, emerged. Well, why am I not fully emerged then? Some of you will be emerged a little bit. But why am I not fully emerged? Well, because there is a travail. Hallelujah. There is a travail. I'll tell you some stories here today. You know, and then I'm going to pray for the people. Hopefully I won't speak too long because I really want to pray. It's been on my heart the last few days. Pray for the people. You know, the woman has to push. <laughs> you know, just because the baby is there, just because it's time for the baby to come out, doesn't mean the baby is just going to come out. <laughs> Hello? The woman is going to have to push. When she's in labor, she's in pain. She's going to have to go through some things to bring that baby out. You know, it's not easy. You know, and I want to tell you that this, you know, the moment that God promises something and is about to unleash something for you, you know, I can say it this way, maybe all hell is going to break loose. <laughs> all kinds of things will happen. And it will seem as if, didn't God promise this? Yeah, he did, but you know, this is how it works, you know. So let me take you to the beginning and tell you that in the beginning, when God saw all the chaos, he didn't like it. He called forth the light. But when he called forth the light, the word that God spoke to the, you know, heavens, the earth, the universe, everywhere, about the light, the atmosphere, and so forth. The word that God said was, let there be light. That's the word he said. And I've noticed and I've often spoken about this because it's pertinent. Why didn't God say let there be light and let the darkness be no more? He didn't say that. He did say let there be light but he didn't say let the darkness be no more. Now if God would have said let the darkness be no more that we would not have had any more darkness. It would have just been light the whole time. But he didn't say that. As a matter of fact, not only did he not say that, he actually gave a name to the darkness. He looked at it, he called it night. He gave it a name, which means it has a purpose. And he looked at the light, he said, well, I call that one day. We'll call this one night. And Ecclesiastes 7 and 14 says, God left the light and the dark Side by side, <laughs> pretty much, you know. In the day of prosperity, rejoice. That's when you are in the light. The day of adversity, that's when you are in the dark. Consider, God has set one over against the other, side by side. Hallelujah. That's it. For you to bring forth that baby is com coming with a lot of pain. For you to emerge, it's coming with a lot of pain. That's right. Pain. I want to put emphasis on the pain. You know, one time, the Lord told Elijah that the rain was coming. In fact, he said, I hear. You know, Elijah was a man that stood before the Lord. But as a matter of fact, when he was going to call for the drought, he said, well, you know, the Lord 
before whom I stand. So he was a man that stood before the Lord. And he called for and said, look, I'm not going to be reigned except by my word. And he walked away. But when the Lord said, it's time, go and show yourself to Ahab. I'm going to bring rain. I'm going to bring a sound of abundance of rain. Well, I tell you what. God promised it, but Elijah had to work for it. Wasn't going to be easy. You know, even though the Lord already told him, and in fact, he, he sent Ahab away, you guys get up and go and eat and drink. But for Elijah, he's going to have to work for that promise. Now, God already promised it, but he traveled. Even the book of James began to tell us in chapter 5 how Elijah traveled. You know, he traveled in prayer. He sent his servant to go look. You know, go look. The Lord promised it, so go check it out. And the man, he went and checked it out. But there was nothing. The man came back and said, there is nothing. The heavens are brass. <laughs> the heavens, how can the heavens be brass? When the Lord already said, there will be a sound, he said, an abundance of rain. Elijah said, I can hear the sound already. <laughs> the Lord promised it, but the heavens were brass. Amen? Hello, are you still with me? The heavens were brass. Despite the fact, let's keep the children down, please. Despite the fact that the Lord promised to send the rain. But yet, you know, the heavens were brass. The second time, go check it out. Third time and so forth. Seventh time, go check it out. But finally, the man said, ah, I can see something, but... <laughs> Doesn't look anything near the abundance of rain. Because the man told his servant, it's coming an abundance of rain. And he said, oh, Well, you know, finally I see something, but it doesn't look anything quite like it. You know, uh, I can see it looks like a cloud, <laughs> no more than the size of a man's fist. And Elijah said, That's it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> That's it. Now, just because the Lord promised it, doesn't mean that everything is going to be in fact it is going to be the opposite it always is in fact you know in mark chapter 4 one of my favorite stories when i tell on these subjects the lord said to the disciples let us cross over to the other side <laughs> that is like a prophetic declaration it's like the word of the lord that says you're going to the other side that's what he said he already said it he said let's go to the other side that's what he said however just because the Lord said let's go to the other side doesn't mean that all hell is not going to break loose in fact that day you know it was like I mean these people were skilled fishermen they have been through tempests they have been through storms they've been in the night they've been through it but this one came at them with a fury was going to get make sure they don't get to the other side just like the Lord promised He's going to make sure he's going to come at them with everything he has. You know. But the Lord said, let's go to the other side. You know, so how is it then that when God said, let's go to the other side, then every step you take, the devil comes against you with full blast. Well, it's in the scriptures. Hallelujah. Why is it then that when the Lord said you're going to emerge, it seems like you're not going to emerge. But I'm going to tell you that you will emerge. Hallelujah. And we got one quarter left this year, and I got good news for you. Amen. The travail and the struggle that you have been through, you are on the verge. You're on the edge of endless and infinite possibilities. Amen. Because he that believeth, there shall nothing be impossible unto him. Amen. According to Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, all you got to do is believe. And if you can believe, there shall be nothing impossible unto you. Amen. Well, there are more stories like that throughout the Bible. Every time that God promised something, this is like cataclysmic upheavals. Everything coming against you from everywhere. The Lord promised Joseph, he saw it in a dream. You're going to be great. You are going to be great. In fact, your brothers are going to bow down to you. You're going to be great. <laughs> you know? And he run off his mouth and give his testimony. I'm going to be great. 
The Lord showed that, you know, your sheaves are going to bow down to my sheaves. And all of these things and so on. I saw the sun and the moon, stars, everything. And the devil said, really? <laughs> We're going to see about that. We'll see what will become of those dreams and those things that God told you. We'll see. I'm going to put you in the pit. I'm going to put you in that slammer. I'm going to do all of these things. And the devil kept telling him, now, where are those your dreams now? But his brothers told him that. And even the devil, all the time that he was carried, they were, Ishmaelites were carrying him in the caravan to Israel, I mean to way into Egypt. Don't you think the devil was on the back of his shoulder telling you, you're going to be great, huh? You're going to be great? Well, <laughs> your brothers are going to bow down to you. We'll see about that. You are going hundreds of miles away from home. You know, you'll be lucky if you even survive. Let alone your brothers bow down to you. Dream out dreams. <laughs> and the devil would mock him like that. In fact, after he stood the test of time, you know, with Potiphar's wife, and he wouldn't give in to her seductions, you know, the woman framed him and got him thrown, thrown into the slum, into the prison for something he didn't do. <laughs> and the devil said, <laughs> the devil said to him, you know, you're still trusting in the Lord, huh? You're going to rot in this prison. You're not coming out of here. But in the meantime, the Lord already showed him he was going to be great. You're going to be great. Why don't you just make me great already? <laughs> why do I got to go through all these things? Well, I'll tell you why you got to go through all these things. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, let's read verse 36. I've got a few scriptures tell you why you got to go through these things. Hebrews 10 and 36. If you can put it up for me quickly so that I can go through this. Praise the Lord. Okay, well, I'm going to have to find it. They don't find it. Alright, so you got to do it quickly so it will help me. Hebrews 10 and 36 says, For ye have need of patience after that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You have need of patience that after you have done. Why? Give me the promise already. Why do I have to go through all this stuff? <laughs> but this scripture right here says after. You're not going to receive it before. <laughs> You're going to get it after. And part of the will of God is the word of the Lord is tried. Hello? Whatever promise the Lord gave you, it will be tried. You're going to go through birth pains. And I'm calling it prophetic birth pains. <laughs> because it's going to bring forth something of beauty. Now let's go. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. First Peter chapter 5 verse 10. Quickly. Alright, they've got the split screen now. First Peter chapter 5 verse 10. Let me try to get it from here. It's relying on this technology stuff. Doesn't work too well sometimes. So I'll get it from here. First Peter uh, chapter 5 and verse 10. Praise the Lord. Right. Here's what it says. Similar to what we just read. You know, it says, But the God of all grace. Hallelujah. Can someone say amen? amen. We're just talking about. You know, his peace and his grace and everything. The God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Now, are you kidding me? Why must I suffer a while? After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and, you know, and do what said to you. And someone say amen. amen. But it comes after you have suffered a while. You got to go through those birth pains, folks. You know, and what you're going through right now, those are birth pains for some of you because you are on the verge of something great that is about to happen. In the book of Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, Paul and the apostles, they, they encouraged the people and they said to him, look, we're encouraging you that, look, we shall, we must, we must, let me find it here, the way he said it, we must through multiple trials, 
multiple tribulations and so forth like that. You know, that's how we are going to enter into the kingdom. Now, they confirmed the souls of the disciples, Acts 14 and 22, exhorting them to continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. Even if you are the last man standing, don't give in. Don't give up. Stand right there. Continue in the faith and telling them that we must not perhaps we will. No. But we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. There will be all kinds of testing. Didn't Jesus say the same thing in John 16 and 33? He said in the world you shall have tribulation and testings. The moment the word of God comes to you, that devil is going to come at you like a hurricane. Look about you. And then you think, why, my goodness. Didn't the Lord, didn't the Lord say, look, the Lord brought them out of Egypt, promised them the promised land. We know they had their issues, but they come out, they get to a place, there's no water. <laughs> the Lord already said, I'm taking you out of Egypt, taking you somewhere. You would think that right off the bat, everything would just be rosy. Well, the Lord had a plan. He needed to weed out some unbelief. <laughs> he needed to get rid of some people. So he allowed some testings and some trials. They come to the first place, there's no water. And they began to grumble. And they forgot the word of the Lord. <laughs> that I'm taking you to a better place. As soon as they hit some testings and trials, they forgot. And then the Lord said, don't worry about it. You know? And then he took them to another place. And as soon as they got there, there was water, but it was bitter waters. <laughs> it was almost like from one thing to another. First there's no water. Then you see the water. Then it's bitter waters. I mean, this God said he's taking us to a promise. Take us there already. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you are going to have to go through some stuff. And the stuff that you are going through right now at your prophetic birthday. And you are fixing something tremendous, spectacular, and extraordinary. It's fixing to happen in your life. And that's why you're going through this. Now let me tell you some few stories about some mighty men of God in the Bible. That went through all kinds of things. We start at Abraham. You knew Abraham. Everybody calls Abraham the father of faith. But I'll tell you what. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, I'm just telling these stories today. I'm not reading it. Book of Genesis chapter 11, the people got together and said, we're going to build a tower to heaven. The Lord said, no, I'm going to scatter you. And he scattered them. Then in the book of Genesis chapter 12, the Lord turned around and handpicked Abraham. Now, and said, I'm going to make you great. Now, I want to tell you a side lesson here. That greatness is from the Lord. Amen. Abraham was not trying to be great. He wasn't even trying to build a tower. He wasn't one of those people. But the Lord rejected those people, but he turned around and handpicked Abraham, I will make you great. I will make you great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And when the Lord put that blessing smack down on you like that, you would think, I'm going to make you great. Well, all right. Make me great already. <laughs> you know? And then the Lord came to him and said, Abraham, I am your shield. An exceeding great reward. Yeah. But Abraham looked around and said, You are my shield. <laughs> what? But I don't have a child. <laughs> you know, just because I, you're going to make me great, you know, I mean, in his head, I'm going to be great. You know, greatness in those days means a lot of wealth, a lot of children, a lot of everything. You know, your seed as the sands of the sea. In fact, the Lord even promised him that. But not one single child. And the Lord said, look, go out. Go out to the night. Open your eyes. Look at the scars. Can you count those stars? He said, no. Well, that's how I'm going to make your seed. Go look at the sand on the seashore. Can you count? He said, no. That's how I'm going to make your seed. But meanwhile, no seed. No child. <laughs> and then, on top of it, the Lord gave him a revelation. You're going to change your name to Father of Nations. Father of nations, I don't even have a child. <laughs> but he believed God. Hallelujah. Yeah. And when he believed God, he changed his name. 
He began to give his testimony even before he got the thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the Bible says, you know, in the book of Revelation 12 and 11, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. I was covering this on Clubhouse. Those of you who were there, you heard it, you know. Today, what do we think? We think we got to wait for the testimony to be complete before you give the testimony. But Revelation 12, 11 says the exact opposite. It is your testimony that is going to overcome the devil. Hallelujah. You wrap your testimony in the blood of Jesus. Some people are afraid to give testimony. Say, if I give too soon, the devil will steal it. <laughs> you wrap it in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And you give that testimony. Even when it's not yet done. You change your name from Abraham to Abraham. And somebody calls you, Abraham says, no. What's my name? <laughs> say, Abraham say, no, that's not my name. Say my name. Say it. <laughs> Until they call him Abraham, he doesn't answer. And he said, I will be the father of nations. You can count on it. He said, father of nations, look at you. You don't even have a child. One year goes by, two years go by, three years, four years, five years, 15 years, 20 years, 22, 23, 24. Yet you are going around saying, you're father of nations. Look at our children all around us. We don't even call ourselves father of nations. And you... Not even a child. You're going to be more valiant than all of us now. <laughs> I will be the father of nations. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he overcame by his testimony. He put that testimony out there. Jesus himself, he did the same thing. He put the testimony out there. Destroyed his temple. And in three days, I will raise it again. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's how you overcome the devil. You speak it ahead of time. You say, I'm coming out of that grave. Glory to God. You don't wait until the thing happens, then you give a testimony. <laughs> well, that's good too, but not good enough. You overcome that devil by your testimony. You come out and you say, the Lord said, I will emerge. And it doesn't look like it now, but I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. That's how you do it. And so, Moses, the devil tried to kill him when he was young. Kill all the children and so forth. He went through all kinds of things. In fact, had to run away and everything, you know. 40 years, he was trying to, in the wilderness, he had to run away. But God said, you're going to be a deliverer. He thought he was going to be a deliverer. He knew it too. But he tried to do it his own way. Didn't work. Became a murderer. He ran away. God said, I did say you're going to be a deliverer. You're going back there. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, it took him 40 years. 40 years in the backside of the desert to come into what God already said he was going to be. God already said it. But yet it took him 40 years to get to it. <laughs> Praise God. But when it was time, and what did God give him? Just a rod. A rod that looks like nothing. But he had the anointing of God. Makes all the difference. <laughs> Praise God. But more importantly, Moses had the word of God. Amen. Think about all the great men in the Bible. You know, many of them. You know, Samuel was one of the greatest prophets in that Bible. All the things he did, you know, setting up the kingdoms and things like that. You know, I mean, for, for the, you know, the Lord and putting them on the right path and helping David and so on. You know, coming to his own. His mother was barren. Hannah was barren. You can read it in the first couple of chapters of Samuel. Chapter 1. I mean, book, first Samuel. You know, the first book of Samuel. His mother was barren. She couldn't have a child. And her enemy chided her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were... You know, you know, women like to brag. You know, see, I've got, I've got children for my husband. You don't have any. So he prefers me to you. I'm the one that gives him the child. And you don't have anything. <laughs> so this woman, she lamented all the time. But I tell you what. When the appointed time came. Glory to God. That come out of that barrenness something great. And through, I see throughout the scriptures. 
Look at John the Baptist. His mother Elizabeth was barren. In fact, people used to say, because the angel said, whom they said was barren. That means they gave her a title, the barren woman. <laughs> they gave her a title. You, you know, the angel said, look, your cousin Elizabeth, whom they say is barren, is pregnant and she has been for six months. Hallelujah. They called her barren. But she brought up, Jesus himself said it with his own mouth. Of all the people born of women, nobody like this. <laughs> yes. In the kingdom, yeah, he got something reserved for the sons of God. Amen. But he said, look, great, who, who do you go out to in the wilderness to see? You know, but yet his mother, <laughs> most of her life, she couldn't have a child. You know, and people mocked her that you can't have a child. But when she did have that child, my goodness, he was the one that announced the coming of the Messiah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You can go on and on and on, you know, but I don't want to go on and on. I want to switch to the story of the cocoon and the butterfly. <laughs> and I have watched this thing. In fact, I've watched it, you know, I've seen it. Went out to a butterfly place in Scottsdale with my wife some years ago and we saw it. They showed us you know, the movie. I have read, I have studied this thing, and I read it again last night, because I knew I'm coming here to say this thing. You know, the process of the cocoon to the butterfly. The extraction of that butterfly from that cocoon is perhaps the ugliest, the most repulsive, the most painful thing you ever saw. You know, when you see that larva, that caterpillar, going to go through a process they call chrysalis metamorphosis and different things you know it goes through sometimes it will lay its egg it will eat up its egg it will do this it will eat up some leaves it will do all kinds of things it goes through a long process when it's ready it will have to go and hang upside down i mean like why in the world do you have to hang upside down just do the thing already <laughs> but it has to hang upside down and it's struggling and you know you see that thing it's like I even heard a story that a man one time saw a caterpillar struggling like that. Struggling, struggling, struggling. And he went there to help the thing. To bring it out of that shell and that, all that stuff that was going on. And he killed the thing. You kill that process of the butterfly. can do it. He's got to go through that process. It's got to go through that process. Now, you think of the butterfly, and you can see this little creature. Sometimes a moth, then it goes through a butterfly. But you can see this little creature. It's got the most beautiful thing. It's got the rainbow colors. It's got colors. It's got a, and it can fly. It can float. My goodness. But I tell you what, when it's coming out of that place, there is no way in the world that you can think that such a beautiful thing will come out of such an ugly process. Hello? Yes. The process. Check it out. After you leave this place, go look it up on the internet and see it. The process that that butterfly takes to come out of that cocoon. In fact, I have seen some of those caterpillars. Sometimes we call them all kinds of things. They are repulsive. They are ugly. In fact, I can't even stand those crawly, creepy crawly things. You know? <laughs> But if they go through all that stuff, they get even more ugly, more grotesque when they are about to go through that metamorphosis. And when they are going through that, it's such a painful, the process of extracting that thing of beauty out of that ugly thing. It's a very painful, it's a process, but it's got to go through it. Hallelujah. If you try, the man who tried to stop that thing killed that butterfly. It killed the emergence of that butterfly. Now God said you are going to emerge. And you will emerge. But don't try to kill the process. <laughs> you cannot kill the process. God knows what he's doing. In the book of Mark chapter 4. And remember I'm going to pray for you today. Hallelujah. But I got to give you the word first. First always the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. The word is what settles your heart. In the book of Mark chapter 4, the Lord, he gave a parable. He said, look, the parable 
you know, from verse 26. The kingdom of God is like if a man should cast seed into the ground. And Jesus gave a lot of the parables. Sometimes he explains them. Sometimes he just leaves them like that. This one he said, look, when you cast seed into the ground, the man, he just goes to sleep. Because he knows the seed is going to bring forth of itself. Now nobody in their right mind, except maybe toddlers who are playing with science experiment, I don't know what they are doing, is going to go dig up the seed. You leave the seed in the ground and you let the ground do its thing. Now you might help it a little bit by clearing the weeds, making sure it gets some watering, making sure it gets some sunlight, but you don't go dig it up and see if it's growing. You leave it in there. You know, but it is going to grow and it's going to bring forth something. But when it does, there is a process to it. Hallelujah. This is the process of your emerging here today. That full air, that full corn in the air is coming forth. But first, the seed must die. Hallelujah. John chapter 12 and verse 24. Jesus said the same thing. He said, look, as long as until I die, I'm going to be the only son of God. <laughs> he knew it too. And he started prophesying. He said, the corn of wheat must fall into the ground and die. Because it is written of the book, the volume of the book concerning me, that I'm going to bring up sons of God. I and the children that God has given me, Jesus said, are for signs and for wonders. And the Lord knew that too. So he, he knew all the things that were written about him. And he said, this corn of wheat must fall into the ground. And it must die. John chapter 12 and 24. If he doesn't die, it will abide alone. But when he dies, it's going to bring forth something glorious. But I tell you what, the process of Jesus bringing forth that something glorious was painful. Painful process. In fact, when he was in the garden praying, we're told that he prayed until sweat or blood was coming out of his head. And that was a painful process. <laughs> because he knew that he was going to become darkness. He knew that he was going to become separated from the Father. And that's something that never happened. Even before the world began, the Lamb was slain. He was with the Father before the world began. So, in a moment, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the last verse there says that he was made sin for us. That's 21. Who knew no sin? That we might become the righteousness of God. He knew that. The moment was coming. And he prayed. It was a painful process. He had to be separated from the Father in order for you to be sitting here today. Man, that deserves a hand clap for the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus had to suffer separation. He said in John 8, 29, I've never been separated from the Father. The Father is always with me. Because I do always those things that are pleasing. But well, you're going to be separated. Because you are going to become sin. And God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. What's John 1, 5. So if you are going to become darkness, the Father is going to turn his back against you. <laughs> and he knew it. It was a painful process. And he said, Lord, I mean, can, can I, is there any way out? Remove this God from me. It wasn't the physical death that he was worried about. He already knew it was coming out of the grave. But the moment of his separation from the Father, he knew it. <laughs> you know? And when it happened, even the physical light in the world revolted. When the light of the world was snuffed out, but Jesus said in John 8 and 12, I am the light of this world. As long as I'm in the world. And he turned around and conferred the same on us, that ye also are the light of the world. Matthew 5 and 14. But, before we became light, he was already the light. When that light was snuffed out, even the sun and the moon became ashamed. They revolted. Even the temple, the veil was rent. Even the graves revolted. Everything just revolted. <laughs> but that process, Eli! Eli! Lamas is a honey. 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He went through something, folks. Not only did God forsake him, his closest friends, they forsook him. They forsook him. Everybody denied him. Even the one that said, the whole world can deny him. me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I will die for you. I will do it. <laughs> Jesus said, will you? Say, yeah. Okay. We'll see about that. Before the cock crows two times, you will deny me three times. Say, I'm never going to do it. <laughs> Trying to make the Lord a lie. You know. Well, Jesus said, fine. You know. But he did do it too. He denied the Lord three times in one night before he made. <laughs> These were the kinds of things that Jesus suffered. You know, people slapped him around. They spit on him. They put thorns of crowns of thorns on his head. They slashed his back and everything. <laughs> they, they said, King of the Jews, even when he was on the cross, said, Come out from the cross. Save yourself and so on. <laughs> he went through a process. Or painful. <laughs> but when he come out of that grave, boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> when he blasted out of that grave. Bible says God has highly exalted him. Giving him a name. That is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Every name should now bow. But he went through stuff. To get there. Ladies and gentlemen. That butterfly must go through that metamorphosis. And the thing that you are going through right now, even though God promised you something great, and then all of a sudden it seems like everything you try, all hell just come against you. Well, it's prophetic birth pains. Because you are on the verge of something remarkable. And that's how he does. Let me tell you one last thing before I pray. Did you know that you can walk out of this building Right now, go find some gravel or some rocks and things like that. I mean, you can, people can pick up rocks anywhere. Those rocks, they have no value. They're just rocks that are like dirt that has solidified. They're nothing. The ones that have real value, you're going to have to dig for years. People go to exploration. They call it mining. They go through stuff because the Lord hit those things. Deep down, sometimes miles down in the belly of the earth. <laughs> you cannot find anything of great value on the streets. It's not like that. You're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to pay for it. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, people say salvation is free. No, it costs Jesus his life. It's free to you, but somebody had to pay for it. You know, there is nothing free, folks. <laughs> there is nothing free. You know, Jesus paid the ultimate price. The price that I will give for the ransom of the world is my life. He paid the price. But the devil, he got the whole world kidnapped. <laughs> and he said, look, it's all mine. You bow down, I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, no, no chance. No chance. I got a plan. I'm going to get it back. Once I pay the ransom, it's over. You know. And once he paid the ransom, it's over. He went there and said, hand it over. And he whooped the devil. <laughs> he whooped him. I love to say that. The devil knows I love to say. He whooped him from pillar to post. When he got to that place, he whooped him again. He whooped. Everybody was looking. So yeah, all the souls that were in prison since the time of Noah, they were looking when Jesus whooped the devil. Made an open show of everything. Took the keys of hell and death. And led captivity captive. Hallelujah. And said, behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I got a champion of your faith. Now I got it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but before he got there, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> he paid the ultimate price. Now, some of you, you give up too easily. Just give up too easily. That's a little roadblock. <laughs> and then you give up. But you forget what God told you in the light. Because you are in the dark right now. You are in the dark because it seems as if God is not speaking. You are looking for the voice of God and he went silent on you. He's sleeping in the back of the boat when you are about to perish. Master, don't you care that we perish? <laughs> Jesus said, hey. He woke up and said, ah, 
What's happening? <laughs> What's happening? He said, are you kidding me? You're going to sleep in the midst of this? We're going to perish. Isn't that like most of us today? We think God doesn't care. But Jesus already spoke the word. Let us pass over to the other side. Hallelujah. The word that he gave will get you there. Doesn't matter how many storms and tempests and things come against you because of the word, the word will get you there. The word always sustains itself. God's word doesn't need any help. But here's what God needs from you though. I'm going to give you a little secret here. And some of you have heard it before. This secret is in Psalm 103 and verse 20. If you have a Bible, turn to it. Never mind the screen, it's not working. Psalm 103, verse 20. It says, Praise the Lord, bless the Lord, O ye his angels that excel in strength. God has categories of angels. The ones that excel in strength, hearkening, you know, they do his commandments, they're hearkening to the voice of his word. What does that mean? Lord showed this to me one time. You know, I love parables, so God gave me my own parables. You know, most of the time, <laughs> you know, he said, look, Balaam took up his parable. I love to take up my parable. God shows me many things. The kingdom of heaven is like this. See all these angels? Some of them are folding their arms, look bored and everything. I said, why? So what? Well, I'll show you. See these ones that are going back and forth like lightning? I said, yeah. Why are they going back and forth like lightning? I said, well, because... Those people down there, whom these angels are supposed to serve, they're speaking my word. And as they speak my word, those angels are going to operation. These other ones that are bored over here, what are they doing? Well, <laughs> the folks that they're supposed to serve are saying nothing. They're not declaring my word. So those angels are bored. Remember, he makes his angels spirits. Spirits that minister on behalf of heirs of salvation. <laughs> That's right. These things are scriptural. And so, those angels that excel in strength, they are waiting for the voice of his word. Now, they want to hear it from your mouth. And the Lord, he held counsel. He said, look, you guys come here. So they come around. Now, the Lord likes to give the angels something to do. Make them feel like, you know, they're doing something. The Lord doesn't need any help. <laughs> Praise God. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 or whatever it says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. The Lord doesn't need to run to and fro anything. The earth is inside his belly. Hello? This whole universe is inside God's belly. He doesn't need to run through and fro. But those eyes, they are the angels, the emissaries, the spirits that God sent for. They go forth, they come back, according to Zechariah 1, 11 and so on, or wherever, they come back and then they report and say, all is at rest. And they choose, the things they choose to report about you are the good things. They come and say, all is at rest. Even though you are going through stuff right now. They are still saying, all is at rest. Hallelujah. Thank you for putting that up. He said, they asked the angel, I said, where have you been? He said, well, I've been going up and down. I've gone throughout the earth. I looked out at your daughter. I looked out at your son. And all is at rest concerning them. Amen. That's the report they choose to bring. You know that, you know, that's the realm in which they operate. Isaiah said the same thing in Isaiah chapter 6. When he saw the glory high and lifted up and he saw all of these things happening. And the angels were going, seraphims everywhere. Holy, holy, holy. All the earth is full of that glory. All the earth is not full of his glory. <laughs> There's all kinds of wickedness in the earth. But that's what they choose to see. <laughs> they operate in the realm of glory. Hallelujah. Those angels, they operate in a different realm. They operate in the realm of glory. And you can operate in that realm too. And if you know how to speak his word, that's all. The Lord said in the council that he held, he said, come here, they came. Now, you go down there. That's your charge. You know, the Bible says he gives his angels charge. So the Lord gave his angels charge. He said, you go down there. And you see that, my daughter, the moment... As she says it out of her mouth, what I already said, you go into operation. You go into action. For there shall be a performance. The Lord said, blessed is she that believed. For there shall be, Luke 1, 45. Blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things that are spoken to her of the Lord. But if you do not, 
believe, then there will be no performance. So the Lord sent them, go down there, check them out. The moment they release my word, you go into action and make sure it happens. Hallelujah. For that which they have uttered in my ears, saith the Lord, according to Numbers 14 and 28, what you have spoken in my ears, that will I do unto you. Hallelujah. And the quickest way to get this thing happening is to speak the word. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of my lesson today. Now I'm going to pray. I want to tell you, Lord, right now, that the Lord says, what you are going through, your present conflict is nothing like the glory that is to be revealed. Amen. You said, the Lord said, I'm going to emerge. Yes, he did. And you will emerge. But you had to go through some stuff. <laughs> the Lord had to see what stuff you are made of. That's right. Are you going to back down just because there's a few storms along the way? Are you going to panic like chicken with the head run, cut off, run over the place looking for the Lord? Lord, we perish. What are you doing? <laughs> or are you going to be the last man standing? I'm right here, devil. You want some of this? <laughs> Hallelujah. You want some of this? I've got the power of the Lord. Glory to God. Now we resist the devil by your faith. That's right. You, know, you don't let the devil push you around. You don't let things that are happening around you push you around. God says, I will watch over my word to perform it. Praise the Lord. Now I want you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for people here today. Hallelujah. Now you say, all of that sounds really good but my situation is still you know yeah that's the reason why I'm saying this to you today it's because your situation is not anything close to what God promised but God already promised hallelujah and my word shall not return unto me void it will accomplish that which I please prosper in the purpose where unto it is sent according to the book of Isaiah Chapter 55. God bless everyone for listening. I'm going to pray for you right now.